eGirl.com. You can check out my me and my friends getting busy there. I have posted free videos videos for you there. Just click on the pictures and they'll start playing for you. If you're on an old school computer, you'll see more videos that way. Um, just enable the Adobe plugins. It's free to do that and the videos will start playing for you automatically. You can get a subscription, make a donation, just check out the free stuff. All of the above are very much appreciated. I thank you for that. You can also check out the Naked Truth pages there and the Living Water Chapel pages there and get an idea of what it is we do here on the Naked Truth. Um, if you need a clue, you can look at the screen and see that what we do is go over the Gospels, namely the red letter Gospels. That means words that Jesus actually spoke. I self-identify as a Christian, and as a Christian, I believe no matter what a church tells you or what you might have been raised to believe, you should believe, if you're a believer, what Jesus actually said. That should get the last word, and you'd be surprised by what Jesus actually had to say about so many different things uh, that differ from what you might even think yourself. So you have to accept what he says if you're a Christian, not what you want to believe. And today is an excellent, excellent um, example of that, and it happens. Today's reading is going to have to do with homosexuality, namely not just homosexuality, but same-sex relationships, because some people see a difference. There's lots of people in the world who identify as straight, but they have gay sex, and there are, I know, thousands, literally thousands of men just like that, and I've met them and know that they are like that, because I've been the one they've been involved with it that way with to know it so but they still identify as straight so ladies you may want to realize that when you're dating men just realize you may want to expand your idea of your definition of what gay and straight are when you're asking men about their uh, previous sexual history ask it in a creative way like what else are you into besides just females how about like that <laughs> that would just at least open the door for your relationship to be honest anyway that's just an example today is an example um in the reading it's one of my favorites in the whole bible and it goes so it's controversial i guess that's why churches don't really preach it and teach it although they don't mind teaching the exact opposite and condemning people to feel like they're going to hell because they're born a certain way or as gaga says born this way in the example of myself so anyway without further ado we're going to read on we're going to pick up first by going over the um where we left off in Luke chapter 16. This is an example of, uh, well, I mean, this passage is what I feel like st stood out among the different things that Jesus went over in chapter um, 16. Uh, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So the thing that stands about, out about that to me is that Jesus lets you know there's a choice you have to make. Either you're going to serve him and Christianity and what he actually has to say and uh, preach about things, or you're going to pursue something else. And just so we understand what mammon is, I searched it for you here. Um, it's basically wealth with um, evil um, influence. Basically what we call corruption by uh, nowadays modern terms. Just And you can see it here. But um, So he's saying you can't do both. You have to choose. You're either going to um, choose right or you're going to choose wrong. And it's your choice. That's freedom of choice. It's your will free will that you have but there's a path laid out depending on which choice you make 
but the choice is still yours. So we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 17 now um, with today's reading. Um, let's see. So I hope you will read along with me and be blessed. We're um, Luke chapter 17. Then he said to the disciples, so this is Jesus talking, and as always, the red letters represent what Jesus actually said. It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. So Jesus is saying it's not it's impossible that sins and things and offenses in the world aren't are gonna come. It's no it's there's no way of changing that. Terrible things are gonna happen in the world. Uh, because people are walking it, it's people doing it usually. But he's saying, because uh, that's where an offense comes. That it wouldn't it, earthquakes and tsunamis are not offenses, though they're terrible tragedies. They're things that people don't have a well. Some cases do have some control over, but don't have a direct hand in. Whereas, uh, or you know, like a cancer. But even there, there's ways you have influence over these different things, though it doesn't seem as direct. But it actually there are direct contacts uh, 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 consequences for people human involvement in each uh, whether we realize it or not but um so anyway Jesus is saying there's no way that offenses won't come people terrible things are gonna happen namely by people it would be better for him uh, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he then he should offend one of these little ones so Jesus is saying it's it'd be better for someone to be drowned in the sea with a weight weighing them down, drowning them, then that they should be offend one of the little ones. And when he says offend one of the little ones, that could mean, come and mean different, many different things. The little ones he's talking about are children, but he's also talking, but he could also be saying, well, because he's going to go into the next verse um, about, well, well, he's saying, when he's saying the little ones, I think he's specifically, specifically saying, children misleading them with uh, false doctrines and the wrong thing to believe and leading them down the wrong path say like not doing your proper duties as a parent um, not only in, get, in giving your child direction and discipline but also giving them hope and letting them know that there's a path to um, greatness or at least doing better than you were able to do uh, but not just letting them run wild but actually giving them direction and guidance and setting the example for them um, but he's saying so rather than offend the little ones it'd be better for you if you were drowning in the sea than that you should be abusive to children or misleading them do, uh, give, doing wrong to children take heed to yourselves uh, your, if your brother sins against you rebuke him and if he repents so Jesus is saying here uh, well just scroll down. He's saying, "Be uh, circumspect in um, examining yourself. Don't just be always ready to point out what your brother's doing wrong. Examine yourself and see what you're doing wrong." But he's saying, "If your brother does sin against you, if he repents, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him." So that's that's the message there to, uh, to that I see is what. When someone wrongs you, let them know. That's like what you need to do. Whether they um, accept that they were wrong in the situation or apologize or even try to make it right, anything like that, that's on them. But the part that you have to do as a Christian is let them know they were wrong. So don't assume that they already know that they were wrong. Uh, and um, 
certainly don't step into a role of taking things into your own hands uh, with revenge because that's not a Christian tenet, although it's in the Bible. And that's going to go to also, um, that'll come up again. I'll mention that again about things that are in the Bible, but not necessarily something that Jesus says that you should do. So anyway, he's saying if someone does do you wrong and you rebuke them, as in let them know they wronged you, and they repent saying they're sorry, saying forgive them. So it actually takes a lot in someone to say they're sorry, uh, someone with a sincere heart, excuse me. Someone with a deceitful heart will never find good and not be uh, willing to say they're sorry and things like that. But someone with a true heart knows that you're not always right. Sometimes you get it wrong, no matter who you are. Um, so, I mean, even if you're going to believe the Bible, and this is going to come up again later, uh, you have to believe that even God had regrets about making people. And that was in Genesis, if you if you read back there and believe that, that that's God speaking, that even God had regrets immediately after making people. Um, and then that was like um, before the flood even came. So um, if you're going through life feeling like, oh, I'm doing just fine and I don't make any mistakes and I have no regrets then I don't understand, but good for you that you're able to do that. God bless you if you're able to do that, because if you believe the Bible, even God had regrets. So it's crazy that humans can feel so prideful that they don't even consider their actions and where they were wrong and where they could have done better and where they need to repent. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day it returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So he's saying even if someone is a repeat offender, a line stepper constantly pushing your buttons um, even seven times in one day um, doing you wrong you shall forgive it, forgive him but now he doesn't say that you need to keep that um, relationship alive if someone pickpockets you once um, I mean you may want to still be friends or buddies with the person but are you still going to just leave your stuff laying around them? Probably not oh, if you're um you get the idea. So he's saying, um, he's saying, be forgiving, because just as much as uh, it's crazy as it seems, you may not have um, do one person wrong seven times in a day, but absolutely, there's seven times in a day at least that you've done chosen, at least myself chosen to do something that wasn't necessarily the right thing to do, but it was the expedient thing to do at the time. Um, but again talk about regrets so um jesus is saying consider yourself and then when you consider yourself consider how y'all you need forgiveness so also be willing to forgive especially if someone's willing to have uh the balls to come to you and say i'm i apologize i'm sorry and the apostle said to the lord increase our faith so they're saying here like lord help us believe help us to believe so the lord said if you have faith as a mustard seed you can say to this mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you so he's saying if you had even a tiny amount of faith you'd be able to make a whole tree move now i mean that lets us know clearly he doesn't think they had very much faith at all he's even going to tell them as much he's going to owe you of little faith that was like in Matthew 16 when he's talking to the disciples and sort of uh, admonishing them about how is how is it you still don't have faith and you've been walking with me all this time. They walked with him like three years. Some knew him even before. Well, at least um, 
um, John the Baptist, for instance, although he didn't come off as faithful, he, his head came off. So anyway, um, Jesus is saying, if they have faith, they'd be able to do incredible things. Uh, and which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he's come in from the field, come in at once, come at once and sit down to eat. So Jesus is saying here, I mean, it's not a very nice answer that they were looking for, I guess, but he's letting him know pretty plainly. He's like, hmm, they're looking for bigger, stronger faith. And they've been walking with him all this time, and they still don't have very much faith. He's saying is even if you had a tiny amount of faith, like a mustard seed, which is tiny, you can because you cook with it and do all kinds of things with it. But he's saying if you had that kind of faith, you'd be able to move an entire tree. And be able, your faith could move mountains in your life in the world. He's saying, um, but if you were, if you were that servant out doing the work that you're supposed to be doing, when you come in. Do you expect that the person who, do you expect your boss to tell you, hey, come on in and sit down and eat? No, he's not going to tell you that. You're the servant. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten? And drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. So Jesus is saying here, that's the reality of life. That that's how things happen in the world. When, if you're considered a maid or a butler, a servant of someone, even a secretary, no, it doesn't have to be male or female, but consider someone who's a subordinate working for someone. Once they've done all the duties that their boss has been told them to do, it's not like the boss is going to say, oh, good job, come on in, sit down and kick up your feet. No, they're paying you to do that. Same thing like consider with the police. The police, the police force in general, is held in high esteem. It's honored. It's their parades for it and all of this stuff. They get huge retirements. They get uh, lifetime benefits. They get held in honor by society. And even, they even get to kill people murder people even on video and not face charges for it in many cases not even lose their job for it if the victim is this color and not this color and still get to go on and get a pension and still have all their buddies hold them in high esteem and silently cover up the murder um so um it's 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 not right that you're able to do that and still do that. But Jesus is saying here, it's not like you can do whatever you want to do. You've done what was your job to do. You've done what was your duty to do. The same thing with the police. They're not heroes for doing the things that they do. They're paid to do that. Just like you're paid to uh, mop floors. You're paid to do construction. You're paid to drive a truck. Whatever it is you're paid to do, it's not like you expect a pat on the back and a big thank you and a party for it when you're done. No, that's what you're paid to do, and at the end of the day, the check is what you get for it. And he's saying similarly here, if you're serving God, if you're doing the right thing, Christian, as far as Christian uh, tenets and belief and what Jesus actually has to say about things, don't expect a pat on the back after that. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're doing what you're working towards anyway. That's what you call yourself working towards. So don't... Uh, walk around acting like oh throw me a parade because I'm so holy it's not supposed to be like that at all if you're doing it like that for that reason then that's your reward right there having those people tell you oh you're so holy and bow to you uh, that's not actually what Christ in heaven is about so likewise you when you've done all those things which you're commanded to do say and I'm not going to say this because I don't want to say that about myself and if you've read with me before you know why 
about the power of words and the things you say, but he's saying they should say, once they've done everything they're commanded to do, what they should say is that they are unprofitable servants. That means they're kind of worthless. We've done what was our duty to do. So he's saying once you've done all those things that you're supposed to do in your job title, then at the end of the day, say, oh, well, that was our job. Because that's what your duty was to do. Don't expect the parade. Don't expect people to hold you up as some grand example of honor. That's not That's not it. You're being paid to do that. And when you do it the wrong way, like killing people, shooting them in the back even till the point that they're paralyzed, like one of the most recent examples, then the penalty should be even greater for you than it is for a civilian because you are the one paid to protect those laws that you're breaking. So it doesn't make sense that you could still walk around with honor and go get a job somewhere else doing the same thing to someone else. That's madness. Excuse me. But that's what's happening here right now today in the United States. It's crazy. So I let you know a lot of them may identify as Christian, but truly they're not necessarily Christian. They're a branch of something that calls itself Christian, namely Roman Catholicism. And I don't want to offend anyone, but if you truly look at what's taught there, the repetitive uh, prayers, the confessing to a priest, none of that is what Jesus told you to do. In fact, it's the opposite of what Jesus told you to do. And again, I don't want to offend you, because maybe that is just the step toward finding God for you. So, the more power to you. But just know that if you really read the Bible and read the red letters of what Jesus actually had to say, you'll see that those are things that he actually told you explicitly not to do. Particularly the part about repetitive prayers and say a thousand hail Jesuses or whatever you it is you say or whatever it is your leader tells you to, to say. And I mean no offense by that. It's free. You're free to believe whatever you want to believe, but just know that if you read it for yourself, you'll know that's the opposite of what Jesus tells you to do. And that if it is in there, it's rooted in something else, someone else preached in the Bible. And that lets you know, you have to know that the whole Bible is not something you can or try to, to live by, should try to live by. It's not. It contra contradicts itself. So if you're going to try and find some life in it, because Jesus even said himself, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Meaning you think by reading the Bible that's going to get you to heaven. He says, but in them, but these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. He's saying the Bible is meant to point you to Jesus, but you're not willing to accept what Jesus has to say that you can have that heaven, that you can have that life, that it is you're opening the Bible seeking you're going to reject what he has to say. And again, it, today's reading is an excellent example of it because it's the opposite of not what my own church taught when I was a child. Because my church was very progressive and loving, actually, the one that my parents raised us in. Uh, Little Lake Warehouse of Prayer, it exists even to this day. Um, although the Reverend obviously is different now. Uh, God bless Reverend Terry. Um, a great man. He was like a grandfather to me and to our family but anyway that's um it's um not so that's not how my church the church i was raised in that introduced me to seeking god um well actually my mama she truly introduced me to it but that's where she took us to nourish it um but anyway um the, so it, that's not what happened in my church but i've been to churches since that church and heard absolutely the opposite you can look on the tv and see if you look and any of those, uh, many of those, not all of them, you can't ever generalize and lump everyone of any kind into one group if you're going to be true with dealing with people. 
But in general, if you look at some of the ones on TV, for instance, or if you even stop in on some churches, particularly the ones that claim to be Christian, they'll preach something the exact opposite of what Jesus actually tells you to do. And today's reading is an example of it. But Jesus is saying here, if you do what he tells you to do, even if you do what he tells you to do, and are faithful like that, then at the end of the day, what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. So don't expect some parade, just like he's telling them. Don't expect me to be giving you big rewards for being faithful when, one, you haven't been. You don't have a faith of a mustard seed because you're not able to move the mountain, move a tree in this case. He's saying the mulberry tree. But also, are you really keeping and doing and believing everything he's saying and doing? He's Or saying and teaching? Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, just like people are. That's just how we are. Um, so he's saying, do what he tells us to do, what he tells you to do, and in that way you show yourself faithful in being a servant, a follower, a Christian, and um, and the reward just comes with doing that job, not something else. Uh, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, so he's on the move. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So something you can relate this to nowadays, lepers is referring to an illness, an illness, a leprosy. It's mentioned throughout the Bible, and I think it's many different situ diseases are covered under the leprosy banner, um, banner in the Bible. But it's referring to something that's contagious. It's a disease. It's sort of like COVID now, where you're supposed to socially distance yourself. That's what this is referring to. It's nothing new. This is a dis the they were required to socially distance themselves to keep from passing on the infection to other people. So they were exiles from society. They were marginalized, and they stood at a distance because they were required to. Because if you got too close, you could pass it to someone. And even then, they had sense enough to know that that was more important, like wearing a mask, is now to keep from spreading something. So again, it's nothing new. This was thousands of years ago. Um, so anyway, he's uh, they're begging for help. Um, they're probably tired of living on the edge of life. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So it's, uh, Jesus didn't lay on any hands. He didn't rebuke a demon to get rid of whatever uh, leprosy it is they were dealing with. He didn't say any of that stuff. In this in this instance, he didn't even um, say anything back to them as far as, um, like, I'm willing to be cleansed like he did in one situation. In this case, the only words Jesus told them was to go show themselves to the priests. Um, and it doesn't say that it happened. Uh, well, let's keep reading. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So in being obedient to what Jesus told them to do, they got what it is they were looking for. And so that goes back to what Jesus was telling the disciples to, if you want to consider yourselves faithful, if you want to consider yourselves Christians, do what it is I tell you. And then once you do what it is I tell you, the reward's going to come on its own, just like a police officer doing the right thing in their job witnessing against a murder whether even if it's someone else in a uniform for example um, doing whatever it is you've been paid to do he's saying once you've done your duty as a Christian to do it what's going to come is going to come on its own um, and so 
the example happened immediately after that with the people following what he told them to do because they were looking for help just like the disciples were looking for faith so now the, these people came looking for help and healing and he and just like that rather than even address the the disease or whatever it is they were dealing the leprosy he uh, just told them to go show themselves to the priests and in that following what he told them to do in the obedience they got what it is they were looking for excuse me sort of backing up his words of telling us to be faithful to what it is he tells us to do not something else and one of them when he saw that he was healed returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan so notice there that it says how many turned back to say thank you only one <laughs> it's amazing that a group of people who needed the help of all the people who needed the help I don't know maybe they felt entitled to the help because they knew he had the ability to do it and that that was his mission so when they got the healing they went on their way just like a lot of people now are unthankful and kind of unkind because that's how they're raised to be I have a friend who's one of these MAGA people who um, says he's waiting on his grandpa to die so that he can get a hold of his inheritance because people feel entitled to it now and because he probably would get it um, but I don't know it seems a cold way to raise your offspring to be that they don't even care about you only what it is you're going to bring to them so people really should consider what it is you're raising it could be a storm um, and one of them when he saw that he was healed returned and would allow a voice glorify God so that lets you know only one only one considered where they were before and came back and thought enough of Jesus to say hey thank you <laughs> relieved that you know, that he's healed and the one who did it was a foreigner it was um, that's why I points out that it was a Samaritan meaning from a different part of town a different part of the area a different region not one of the ones you would think would come back and be pious and thankful. I think all of them would be grateful enough to at least come back and say thank you. But 10%, a tithe of the 10, one of the 10 came back and said thank you. That doesn't mean Jesus took the healing back from them. Um, but maybe they stumbled back into a second infection. Maybe even worse that next time. Maybe. God only knows. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? So Jesus notices that immediately he knows all ten of them were cleansed and healed without the guy even um, saying it. Or, or I say guy, but it doesn't say that it was all men. It could have been women also. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? So Jesus saying, Jesus notices and makes an example for us. It's not for us to condemn anyone, much less a foreigner. Because if you look back far enough, everyone in America was a foreigner because all of us came from somewhere else, unless you're Native American. And, um, you know, even they, they know marginalized. Cause, uh, but at least they're getting a check for being marginalized. Black people haven't even gotten reparations, even though the slave owners did. <laughs> it's madness. It's madness and the three black people three I think we have in the Senate do they really have power to even bring it up do they even have they even brought it up that a whole generation of people deserve that 
to kind of even the playing field. It's not like the country doesn't have money for it. We saw where rich people just got a trillion, trillion, trillion with the T dollar bailout, multi-trillion dollar bailout. And yet the president said he had cheaper, better health care for everyone. That never happened. He said he was going to build the wall and Mexico was going to pay for it. That never happened. There have been terrorist attacks, although they don't report it. There was one here in Florida, Jacksonville, just last year. The media doesn't report it. He certainly doesn't talk about it. There's natural disaster after natural disaster. He throws out paper towels or doesn't talk about it. And yet, his base doesn't care. And a lot of the media seems to back him up and prop him up and put a camera in front of him every time, just like the last time and then wonder how it is he won even though he didn't win he lost by 3 million votes and then people love it it's crazy it's crazy and yet people don't believe the bible but they believe these times we live in people wouldn't believe it 20 years from now that people were let's read on so anyway Jesus. so Jesus answered and said were there not 10 cleansed but where are the 9 he's wondering where are they at I know I healed all 10 of them um, and he notices that it's the foreigner, not not the one who you think it would be, the pious one you know. It's um, the foreigner who gets demonized, who turns out to be the one with the true heart, with the humble heart to say thank you. And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. So he lets him know that he's been healed and he was the faithful one. And he lets, he tells him, your faith, your faith, he was the faithful one who came back and said thank you. Um, has made him well and he sends him on his way and even there Jesus wasn't expecting to thank you and doesn't demand to thank you from the rest of them just like he told the disciples when you do what you're supposed to do don't come back expecting a parade he did what he was supposed to do healed all ten of them and only one came back to say thank you did he make a fuss about it no he went on about his business and but he pointed out that one of them did have the uh, decency to come back and say thank you but only one so maybe that's the example to us as well as you cast a net trying to look for um, to do your part one tenth may be what shows or what you see of a result of people who actually pick up on it and the other nine you may never know now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come he answered them and said so now you have the religious people who um who um you know, they're the church, basically, what we call them today. They're the religious leaders. They're asking him a question. So and this happens a lot of times. They like to confront him. Um, and they're asking him about when is it going to happen? When is the kingdom of God coming? So Jesus answers them. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. So he's, <laughs> wow. so he's letting us know that it's not going to be something that you're going to be looking for. It's going to be sudden. Normally say see here or see there. He's going to say it's not going to be that kind of thing. We're going to look off uh, saying, oh, so it's happening over in the Middle East. Or no, it's happening over in North America. Or no, it's happening in the South Pole. He's saying it's not going to be like that. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. So it seems that when it does happen, that light, just like Jesus was transfigured, that happening will happen at once. And it's not going to be a 
tap anyone on the shoulder, let them know it's happening, everyone's going to realize it when it happens. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when, let's see, you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. So Jesus says here, a time's coming when they're going to wish that they had time with Jesus, face time with Jesus, but they're not going to get it. And he, he's referring to, I believe, after the ascension, after the crucifixion, after all of that's happened. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. And the sad part here is this is the verse that warns so many people about something in particular, so in particular like Roman Catholicism, for instance, that deceives a lot of people. It's rooted in someone who came along, just like Jesus told them, and told them, look, I saw Jesus in the desert, Paul, who changed his name to Paul, who was originally Saul. And that is who gets preached throughout the, for the rest of the Bible after the Gospels. And that's who people try to follow, even though it line, aligns with nothing Jesus says. Excuse me. In fact, the opposite. But he's saying it's going to happen. He let them know that they're going to look for Jesus to come back after he's gone, after the crucifixion, after he's risen and ascended. They're going to desire that time for Jesus to come again. And he said he let them know instead what's going to come is someone's going to come along and fool you. They're going to come and tell you that I saw him and um, follow him. And, you know, that's what happened. The disciples, right after Jesus left them, Saul came along and they joined forces and the rest of the message was hijacked throughout the rest of the Bible. You could read it for yourself. The words of Jesus end at the the very beginning of the book of Acts. After that, you don't see Jesus' words again, quotes of Jesus in any substance until you get to of any substance until you get to the book of Revelation. And that those quotes there don't necessarily align with what Jesus taught in the Gospels. So you can believe, try and follow the whole Bible if you want to, but you're going to run into contradictions, and then you're going to have to choose. Either you follow one, you follow the other, or something. If you're going to be, if you're going to truly say you're faithful. So what Jesus is saying here is that don't believe it. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. That's how you know that wasn't Jesus who Saul claims to have seen in the desert. When he came and comes again, Jesus tells you right there that everyone's going to know it. Not someone's telling you they saw him in the desert and he changed my name to Paul. So listen to me and do whatever I tell you, even though it contradicts things Jesus said. And yet that's exactly what happened. If you read the rest of the Bible after the book of Acts chapter 2, nothing else pretty much is anything Jesus said. Partly because Paul was not one of Jesus' disciples. Saul was not one of Jesus' disciples. He just wasn't. And the, um, even if you read what the disciples said after uh after Jesus was no longer walking with them in these days that Jesus told them would come when they would desire to see one of the days that they had with him. You'll see that even the disciples barely ever mention anything that Jesus says in all their preaching and teaching. And it's sad, it's a shame, but it's human. And they show examples of it throughout their walk by not having faith even here where Jesus says it. Um, but they serve their purpose. 
So he's saying, um, don't believe it. And he's saying, when he comes again, everyone's going to know it. So just like that, don't believe it when Saul came along and said it. Yet, like I said, they were in league together for much of it. Um, wait, let's see. Um, should I sit up? Okay. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So Jesus is saying, when he comes again, that second coming, everyone's going to know it. You're not going to need someone to tap you on the shoulder or send you a text and let you know, hey, Jesus is back. It's not going to be like that at all. Everyone's going to know it because it's going to happen at once. And he said the kingdom of God is within you. So when that kingdom does come forward, obviously it sounds like it'll be like a transformation sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. He doesn't say explicitly. But he's saying before that happens, um, that generation that he's walking with right then is going to be reject him. So that's the generation that crucifies him. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. So Jesus now is going, saying, just like in the Old Testament, before the flood came, he, it's going to be like that again. So now this is a passage that a lot of preachers will hijack and point to something else that isn't even written there, that Jesus didn't even say. So you have to decide for yourself, are you going to believe what that preacher told you? Are you going to believe what Jesus said? So let's just read it verse by verse and see what he says. First, he says, in that day, well, well let's see first. So first he, first he points to that generation rejecting him. And he says, before it happened, and, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it wants to be in the days of the Son of Man. So now, well, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So Jesus is saying here, just like in the Old Testament, before the flood came, people were going on about their business. They were, um, getting married and marrying giving in marriage eating and drinking the things people do living life and just going on everything every day was just like every other day and he's saying but suddenly the flood came and uh destroyed them he's saying similarly just like when the kingdom of god which is within us he just said it is revealed people are going to be going about our business our own our everyday business our routines and then suddenly it's going to be over for and he says them all so because you know and according to the bible only if you were saved in that situation um okay let's see likewise as it was in the days of lot they ate they drank they bought they sold they planted they built so uh, lot is this is the situation the lot was the Another situation, this situation that he's going to now, um, that he's referring to a lot, is um, talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. If you read that Old Testament story, which maybe we'll do um, some topical reading, since we're almost through with the Gospels, maybe that'll be next. God willing, we'll see. So anyway, he's um, referring to Lot, the one who was rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, one of the ones who was rescued. The wife, his wife and daughters were also rescued. And it didn't destroy everyone, only those cities of the plain. Yet, for some reason, he molested his daughters right after that. It's in the Bible, if you want to read it yourself. And according to the Bible, spawned the people of Jordan now, Amman, Jordan, that area. 
of the Middle East. If you read the Bible, that's what it says. Um, so um, that's what Jesus is referring to here. He's saying, so first he gives them the example of Noah and the flood, how people were warned, um, but you know, people still ignored and they went on about their business for the most part and ended up gone. Same thing with Lot. Uh, the angels there, it's in the story, the angels came to rescue Lot and his family and even the wife, she, um, though she was rescued, looked back in longing for the city. And she was even destroyed, according to the story, along with the whole city. So, um, I, Jesus is saying here that the warnings came because the angels tried to warn them to leave. And they sort of didn't want to leave the city because they were comfortable there. But the warnings came and then people ignored them. And at the end of the day, people were destroyed in both situations. So, it's, um, so... He's going to go on. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So he's saying in the same same way, there were warnings beforehand, yet the people didn't change. In that situation, don't let people tell you it's because there was uh, homosexuality there. That's not what it, the reason it was destroyed at all. If you read there at all, if you read it at all, it starts out with rape as the reason that the whole city is in trouble and sick as it sounds uh, an offering of a father of letting them rape his child is the way he answers the rapist so it's a sick story altogether if you read it uh in the old testament if i remember it right and uh, and that's in genesis so uh, homosexuality is not the, it wasn't the issue there at all but we'll go on so, uh, but that's where the sodomy and having anal sex, that's where it comes back to the Bible and the city, Sodom, um, and the uh, sort of jailhouse style rapes that were going on in that city at the time. Excuse me. I guess prison style where he rapes. That should, would be better said. Um... So, but anyway, Jesus is saying here in the same way, there were warnings and the people ignored them and at the end of the day ended up dead. Even so will it be at the, in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. He's saying the same way, people are going to be warned to change and to accept truth, but at the end of the day, very few will, just like in Sodom and Gomorrah, just like uh, Noah with the ark. Um, only a few will be saved. Um, in that day, and he said revealed, as in um, he has to be talking about the second coming. He isn't still talking about when he was rejected by that generation, like he said. He's talking about when he comes again. In that day, he was on the housetop, and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who's in the field, let him not turn back. So Jesus is saying, don't concern ourselves with our worldly life. And that day, when it's time for um, that transition to move on. Remember Lot's wife. So he's saying, yeah, don't cling to the things you have in the world. Move on to the to life. Because the only thing left in the world for her was going to be eaten by death. She just didn't realize it. And she chose that rather than be rescued and live. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. So that sort of goes back to what Jesus said about um, choosing between God and mammon. Choosing between what Christ had to say about something 
and what your church, what you, your own belief system, what your family may have had to say about something. It's a choice, and it's yours. It's free will, and he's not going to force you to do either one. It's your choice. Um, but he's saying if you choose to pursue your life here um, and worldly things, in that sense, I think is what he's saying. He's saying um, you're only going to end up losing your life like how Lot's wife did. She's the one who was said to have turned to a pillar of salt because she didn't want to leave Sodom and Gomorrah behind. So that lets you know also that it wasn't about homosexuality. He had a wife. And he was a he, so it was uh, homosexuality wasn't the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, though people will try and conflate all of that together and make it so. I feel you, I tell you, and at night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be loved. So that makes it clear to you while you're on the subject of homosexuality that although, yes, you can look in the Bible like uh, the misleading teachings of Paul, for instance, who, like I just said, wasn't one of Jesus' disciples, preaches his own thing and people choose to live by that. But you can look back before Jesus to the Old Testament, say like Leviticus 18, for instance, where it talks about a male lying with the man as, a, as he would with the woman and all of and that sort of thing being condemned that lets you know okay you could choose that if you're an old testament person you have a choice but he's letting you know here very clearly clearly if you're a christian there will be two men in one bed in that time when jesus comes again and one will be taken and won't be left so it lets you know very clearly being gay laying lying with other men male males lying with other males better said because every male isn't a man and every um female isn't a lady so it boils down to biological and sociological differences and terms so what but he's letting you know here that's not a barrier that's not what's going to stop you and he ties it to which i thank god for the whole sodom and gomorrah story and sodomy and that whole males laying with males because here here he says There'll be two in one bed. So that lets you know that's not going to condemn you. Even though it says it'll condemn you in the Old Testament. So you have a choice. You can believe that you're going to be condemned for um, same-sex relations. Like it says in the Old Testament or like what Paul has taught. Or you can believe what Jesus tells you right here. That that's not going to stop you from being saved if you believe him. Two women will be grinding together. So that lets you know. The one will be taken and the other left. He doesn't say grinding meal, meal necessarily. People don't even do that nowadays. But you do know two women do grind together nowadays. And probably since the beginning of time. So that lets you know also lesbianism. Same sex relationships whether male or female. Men lying with other men. It's not going to be a barrier to salvation. Women lying grinding even as he made it more explicit there. Um, it's not going to be a barrier to women getting into heaven. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. So he goes even to in a general sense, people being in the field, think of soldiers in the field. The one faithful one will be, uh, one will be taken and the other left. So when you, if you're saying taken and left, it seems that the one that's left is the one that's saved because the ones that are taken are just like if you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, the ones taken away were the ones who were destroyed in the story of Noah and the ark the ones who were taken were um, destroyed by the flood um, and the other left the ones that are left are the ones that were saved although the ones that were left were taken some to safety well no 
Um, no, not really. They were put away into safety. Well, I don't know. The one that was taken, one will be taken. I guess at the end of the day, Jesus is saying there's going to be a division at that moment. One's going to be taken, the true one, the one who's faithful, apparently, like he says, the faithful servant, and the other left. Um, and so far, the ones that are taken are destroyed, taken away. Um, but he could have been taken away to safety, like Lot and his family were, or like Noah and his family was. Um, we'll see. And he answered and said to him, where, Lord? So he is talking about the ones that are taken away. Where are they going to be taken to? So, um, but he has to be talking about taken away because he says the other left. So, um, the ones left behind have to be the ones who are saved, just like Noah was the ones left behind. Yeah. And uh, Lot and his family were the ones left behind. He has to be talking about that. So, but, so then what are the disciples saying when they say, where, Lord, are they asking him, where are they taken to or where are they left behind? So he said to them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So, it's a very cryptic answer. He's saying wherever human flesh is, the dead bodies, uh, that's where um, the birds are going to be feeding on that death. So, I guess he's, if, I don't know, that's a very, I don't know, that's a hard one to understand. If he's trying, if he's saying the ones, the ones taken are taken away to their death, like in the Noah story, then that's where the, um, the eagles would be gathered because they'd be waiting to feast on all the dead people who didn't make it through the flood. Um, yeah. Because it's not like Noah was taken away from the world. Neither was Lot. So, but then the ones that were left were the ones that were left alive. So, he has to be talking about the ones that are taken are taken away to death. And the ones that are left are the ones who survive. It has to be that way. Um, which sort of contradicts in Revelation where it says um, a new Jerusalem and a new heaven and earth, new earth are uh, come down from heaven unless that's a metaphor for space exploration. So that could mean something else altogether differently. Anyway, it's something to consider. I'll think about it and maybe some uh, clarity will come to me, God willing. Anyway, that ends this reading. I hope it was a blessing for you. Uh, the point being of why this was my favorite is that even though churches will teach you that uh, on the verses that tell you that it's wrong to be gay and you'll go to hell if you're gay and all of that stuff, Jesus tells you very directly that two men will be in one bed, one will be taken, the other will be left. Churches don't preach that for whatever reason because they're biased, is my guess. Because for whatever reason, social constructing, social uh, conditioning would be my guess to make you think, get grow up, get married to the opposite sex, have children, and do that. That's the routine you're supposed to follow. Um, and I think that that's so built in the people that that's why they preach that and don't preach what Jesus actually said, even though that's terrible because it leads a, a lot of people to feel hopeless, suicidal, uh, feel like there's, uh, lead them to crime, um, thinking that there, what's the point? If if I'm gay and you're saying being gay will lead to hell, just automatically you have no hope, then what's the point in trying to be good otherwise? So it's a terrible message that churches send by ignoring that uh, verse, Luke 17, 34. Uh, but it was a verse that set me free. And I'll say this and I'll let you go. Excuse me. 
one of the first people who passed away in my family from coronavirus was uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Izell. And he was a pastor in a church in Georgia. And, um, and I, the significant thing about him, to me, other than he was my sister's husband, and I don't even really get along with her, but because uh, she's one of these holier-than-thou people. The ironic thing is, when I first uh, and, and accepted myself as transgender and my Christian faith and all of that, it reconciled them to each other. It was in my brother-in-law who passed away from coronavirus's church. He had a church in Georgia, and unfortunately, many more people in his church because it was um, during a what was it? I forget. I think it was a wedding. I think it was a funeral. It was during a funeral where someone spread it around. They believe and. Many people got infected and died. He also got infected and was dead within two weeks. Uh, um, about two weeks. But the significant thing to me was when I first un realized that this is who I am and you have to either embrace it and choose to still try and um, uh, follow your pursuit of God or embrace it and say, well, you're going to hell. What's the point of even pursuing anything godly? It was at um, my cousin, Peaches, she passed away. It was years ago. She passed away, and after the funeral, I remember going into church. I was um, as I am now, and I um, not as I grew up, obviously, because I'm trans, but that was the first time I'd really gone into a church that way, and I got to the church, and I said a prayer to the Lord. I was like, Lord, this is it. It was like, either you're going to embrace me, or not and if you are if you aren't then go ahead and strike me down now because I don't feel I can't feel I, this is how I feel I don't feel like there's any other way for me to be and so I was in his church who my uh, brother-in-law who passed away it was his church where that happened and although he embraced me and, and um, was loving and I obviously have learned to embrace myself and thank God for this verse because like I said other churches don't ever preach it uh, that being gay doesn't necessarily mean you're going to hell or even just having sex with men, same-sex relationships, men lying with other men, however you want to put it, doesn't mean you're going to hell. I'd never heard that message, and I still haven't heard that message in any church, on any TV program, from any preacher or pastor, and yet it's right there, it's what Jesus said. And um, I think at that moment at the church when that happened, I realized then that it's not the the um, death sentence it's not the condemnation that churches preach it to be and then eventually I got to this so it's just I'd say say that to say stay hopeful if you're in the same situation as me and someone has told you that because you are how you are that you can't be this or go there you don't have to embrace that just because they said it doesn't make it true so um, know the truth it'll set you free and anyway this ends this reading I appreciate you checking out with me and hope you'll join me again. I'm going to uh, end this one for indexing. And we're going to pick up in the um, book of John chapter 16 in just a moment. And God willing, we have our Saturday night readings just after midnight. Where we'll have our gospel grab bag early Sunday morning. Uh, we're in the Acts of Pilate right now. The trial of Jesus, the parts that didn't make it into the Bible. As crazy as it sounds once you start reading what, was, what happened there. It's a shame it didn't make it into the Bible. It should have been the major part of the Bible. I think a lot more people would believe. Um, but again, there are powers that be that keep things from happening. 
Um, and you have to look a little further sometimes. So anyway, that's Saturday nights and Sunday morning. And then we have Mondays where we are wrapping up the Gospel of Matthew. In the meantime, take care of yourself, wash your hands, wear your mask, and thanks again. God bless you. Peace.